Let's go to the God in prayer. Lord, we come to you again this morning. We, we want to thank you for everything that you've given us. Every blessing, Lord. Every moment of goodness that we have in our life, we want to thank you for it. Lord, we thank you for this, this particular day you've given us where we are able to come and worship, Lord, and fellowship with, with our brothers and sisters. Lord, I pray that you would bless each and every one of us in here. Bless those who are at home today. Uh, bless those who are hurting today. Bless those who are sick. Lord, we ask that you would bring healing and peace to all of us today. Lord, help our minds to be focused on you. Lord, calm our hearts from any worry or anxiety we have from this last week and for going into this next week, Lord. We, we ask that you would just draw close to us today. Lord, as we dive into your word, I pray that uh, you would use myself as your vessel to tell us a little bit more about who you are today. Lord, we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So my goal for today is to look at a book of the Bible that I think most of us probably forget is there. Um, the young adults have heard this one before, but it's been like months since they've heard it, so they've probably forgotten. Um, and the, the Thursday morning Bible study heard it. They heard it even closer, but they're high school students, so they definitely have forgotten uh, but if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Philemon. If you don't know where it is, you're probably not alone. Try and work with your neighbor to figure out where it is. No, it comes right after Titus, if that's helpful at all. And if you miss it, it's only one page in most Bibles, which is just the perfect kind of book to be able to get a little one-off sermon like this. And I want to give you a little bit of background on this book of Philemon. So, the book of Philemon is understood as it was sent out from Paul with the book of Colossians. So you have the epistle of Colossians and you have this book of Philemon going to the same place. It's going to Colossae. Something you may not have known, Paul never made it to Colossae. He wrote to them, but he never actually made it there. He did not set up their church that was somebody else. But he met people from there. He met people from there and he heard about the good things that they were doing. So if you read through Colossians, he's, he even says, I've heard all these amazing things that you guys are doing, so I'm writing to encourage you to keep doing them. That's what the book of Colossians is all about. If you go and you read uh, some of his other epistles, you, you have places that he's actually been and he's heard bad things about him and he... he writes them to rebuke them and tell them how awful they're doing and that they need to change their ways. But you read Colossians and it's all about you guys are doing a fantastic job, great job. So the book of Philemon also comes along with that book to the same church. And Philemon, the name Philemon, is actually one of the guys in the church. So this is a personal letter that Paul is writing. So we, we've read a ton of Paul. We're going through Romans uh, we're actually taking a small break from Romans, so if you were hoping to get Romans today, sorry. Uh, but we've heard Paul's writing before. He's, he's very smart, right? He, he talks with really big words um, and extremely long run-on sentences, if you know your Greek. Um, but that's kind of how Paul writes. He's, it almost seems like he's almost unapproachable sometimes with, the, with how his mind works, 
because he is thinking so far ahead of me, so far above what I am capable of actually understanding and thinking that you have to go to school for two, four, six, ten years to be able to figure out everything he's talking about, or you need to sit in church for 10, 15, 20, 75 years to be able to really get a grip of what Paul is talking about. But this is a little bit different. This is a personal letter. So it's a lot more approachable. So sometimes we like to, we like to come to books of the Bible and we, we come with great reverence and as we should because it is the word of God, but we come and we, we kind of miss the nuances in here because we're expecting, maybe we're expecting to not quite get every single word. But for this, I want us to actually look at how Paul is writing. Let's get an idea of Paul's character while he's writing, and we can try and understand a little bit about why. So, we only have 25 verses, and like I said, one page, so we're going to get through this whole thing. (laughs) It's just going to be like a really big Bible study, but in sermon format, so none of you get to ask questions yet. So let's start. Uh, Verse 1, this letter is from Paul, a prisoner for preaching the good news about Christ Jesus and from our other brother, Timothy. I am writing to Philemon, our beloved co-worker, and to our sister, Ophelia, and to our fellow soldiers, Archippus, and to the church that meets in your house. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. So it's a very normal introduction. He's he's writing it to uh, Philemon first and to the leaders of the church, right? So we have uh, the, the way in church history, folks, here it comes. Uh, the way the church used to meet is they just met in people's houses. There weren't actually church buildings. They weren't allowed to have church buildings. It was illegal. So they just met in people's houses. And they'd meet there and they'd have a meal. They might pray. If they actually had a copy of scriptures, they might read that. If they get a letter from one of these apostles, they're definitely reading that. And they're probably reading it every single time they meet. So this letter shows up with the other big letter that they're probably going to read to this whole thing. And, but now he's addressing it to specific people. So you know suddenly their ears are perked up. I went, oh, Paul's writing to me. Think of this. Think, think if Paul actually wrote you a letter. Wouldn't that be insane? If you'd actually get a letter from somebody who you looked up to, but you'd never actually been able to meet. Think of any writers that you're, you, you love to read. Think of, if you're sports people, think of all of these people who you look up to. You'd love to be able to meet, oh man, I'd just love to have a conversation. Suddenly you get a letter that tells you, oh my goodness, he knows me. Oh my goodness, Paul wrote me a letter. Paul's been all over the place. Paul's adventures are, are legendary almost. Paul, he should have been dead several times and he's writing me a letter. This is exciting stuff. This is really, really exciting stuff. So let's, let's keep going. Verse 4 says, I always thank my God when I pray for you, Philemon, because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and for your love of all God's people. And I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother, for your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. How 
proud do you think Philemon is right now? After Paul just told him, man, I hear about what you're doing. You are doing a fantastic job. You think I'm legendary, man. The stuff that I hear about you, you're legendary, man. Parents, I want to ask you one thing. Have you ever had your child come up to you and say, Mom, Dad, I just have to tell you, you're doing a fantastic job. <laughs> Mom, you know, the house is in such fantastic order. You know, dinner last night was, oh, just the best you've ever done. What do you think's going on? They're about, here comes the question, right? Here comes, here comes the request, right? So that's exactly, by the way, what Paul is doing. You think, you think of Paul as this very like, oh man, a lot of reverence for Paul. But here he is buttering some guy up that he's never met, that he's only ever heard of, because he's got a special request for him. And I love how he tells him, man, it's the love you have for your, your brother and your sister that is just so amazing. By the way, I'm going to ask you to use that now. I'm going to tell you about the gift you have. You have a fantastic gift. And by the way, I need you to use it now. So verse 8, that is why I am boldly asking a favor. There it is, told you. I could demand it in the name of Christ because it's the right thing for you to do. But because our love, because of our love, I prefer to simply ask you. Consider this a request from me, Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner for the sake of Christ Jesus. I want to point out that this is the second time he said he's a prisoner. Paul is not above guilting somebody. <laughs> I'm I'm a prisoner. I'm a prisoner for doing all the good work. You could be too. But here I am, being a prisoner. It <laughs> woe is me kind of situation. And I love how he says, I could demand this because it's the right thing to do, but I know you'll, you'll make the right choice. Does Philemon have any choice in this matter at this point? No, he doesn't have a choice. Paul has not given him a choice in what he's going to do. You can either do what I ask, or you can be the bad guy. It's up to you. Verse 10 says, I appeal to you to show kindness to my child, Onesimus. Who is Onesimus? We don't know yet. But I will tell you one thing. His name literally means useful. So, be Onesimus. Be useful. That's one, one good thing. But Paul likes to play with this name as we're going forward, so keep an eye out for that. He said, I became his father in the faith while here in prison. Again, I'm here in prison. Remember how I'm in prison. Onesimus hasn't been much use to you in the past. He hasn't been very useful to you. So useful hasn't been all that useful to you in the past. But now he is very useful to both of us. So he hasn't been useful in the past, but now he's very useful. So Onesimus hasn't been to Onesimus in the past, but now he's really Onesimus. Paul's having fun. Okay? If you haven't figured it out yet, Paul is having fun with this. I'm sending him back to you, and with him comes my own heart. Now, wait a second. Sending him back. 
suddenly we kind of realize that who this Onesimus might be. So who Onesimus actually was, was a slave in this household of Philemon's. Now before, we have, we have an idea of what slavery looks like, especially in our country, but in the Roman Empire, in Greek culture, ancient Greek culture, to be a slave was actually a legitimate job. Somebody, if you, if you had no prospects moving forward, you could go to a more well-off house and say, hey, would you mind housing me and feeding me? Don't worry about paying me, but I'll work here for you. And you could sign yourself a contract, and you could be there. You wouldn't get paid, but you'd be fed, and you'd be housed, but you've got a lot of work to do while you're there. Some people, if they found themselves in debt, that's how they would pay it off. They didn't really have any other options. You know, maybe carpentry is not working out all that well. Maybe you're not all that great of a fisherman. You're not going to be able to pay your debt off. So you say, okay, I owe you a debt. How's five years of service sound to pay it off? So that's kind of the, the thing we're dealing with here. But what apparently Onesimus did is... He didn't fill fill out his contract. He did not fulfill his contract with Philemon. He ran away. We don't know why. We don't know the circumstances of it. We just know he ran away. And that is against the law. He broke a contract. So in in reality, Philemon has every right to put Onesimus in jail. He can say, essentially, you have stolen from me because you did not fulfill the contract we agreed on. You can go to jail. He has every right to do that. So Paul is asking him to not do that. Paul is asking him to not do that because, as he said, I became Onesimus' father in the faith. Onesimus is now a Christian. He has accepted Christ. Philemon is supposed to be a Christian. He has also accepted Christ. So Paul is telling them it's not a slave and master situation anymore here. It's a brother's situation. I want you to look kindly on your brother. So let's keep reading. Verse 13. It says, I wanted to keep him here with me while I am in these chains. There's the fourth time, by the way, he said he's a prisoner. Fourth time. For preaching the good news. And he would have helped me on your behalf. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent. I wanted you to help because you were willing, not because you were forced. I wanted you to help because you were willing not because you're being forced. Is Philemon being forced? We've already discussed this. Paul's still having fun with him. It seems you lost Onesimus for a while so that you could have him back forever. So he said he ran away for a good reason. He ran away, he became a Christian. Now you guys are brothers together, you'll be in heaven forever. So you lost him for a little bit so that you could be with him forever. He is no longer like a slave to you. He is more than a slave. He is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now, 
he will mean much more to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. This is extremely important for when we come back. So remember where this little statement is. It says, I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. If he, is, if he has caused you any kind of financial hardship in any way, if he stole anything, put it on my tab. I got it. It's starting to, maybe this story might start to sound a little bit familiar to you from something else. Hold on to that. We're going to get there. But I love how he finishes that statement too, because he's, by the way, still having fun with Philemon. He says, and I will repay it, and I won't mention that you owe me your very soul. Really again. So we, we did say that Paul never actually made it to Colossae. But he did go right past it. If you have in the back of your Bible those little maps that show like the, the missionary trips of Paul, follow the one that goes right over Colossae. It goes to Lacedosia. And so when he hit Lacedosia, the thought is, all of his preaching, there was somebody from Colossae who was there at some point. And they went, oh man, this guy, this guy knows what he's talking about. And he went down to Colossae and started the church down there. So no, Paul didn't directly start the church in Colossae, but they do name him as, well, he's why we have the church. And so Paul is able to tell Philemon right here, yeah, don't, don't worry, I'll, I'll pay for whatever, and I won't hold it against you that you owe me your soul. So again, still Paul, all of this tongue-in-cheek, all of this playing with Philemon, all of this giving him no other choice but to have to forgive Onesimus and take him back. He says, yes, my brother, do me this favor for the Lord's sake, Give me this encouragement in Christ. Please, please encourage me because as you know, I am a prisoner. He continues to bring that up. He says, I am confident as I write this letter that you will do what I have asked and even more. One more thing. This is another one of my favorite parts. One more thing. Please prepare a guest room for me for I am hoping that God will answer your prayers and let me return to you. So by the way, after all this, and I know you'll do exactly what I ask, and by the way, keep a room ready. I'd like to come visit. I don't know, like when you've moved away from your parents at any point and maybe you were on the phone with your mom or your dad and, and they said, you know what you should really do? Let me give you all these ideas on, on how to get out of the problem you might be in or to fix so, uh, an issue that you might be doing. And then they say, and I'll come check on you next week. You're probably going to do that thing, whatever, whatever they said, because you don't want to have to deal with the questions and the, well, why didn't you? So it's a nice, another fun little tactic to make sure Philemon knows that you don't have a choice here. This is what you're supposed to do. So he, he says, yeah. Put, put, a, put a room off to the side, because I'd, I'd like to come and visit you. 
And also, um, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, so my, my prison buddy, he also sends his greetings. So do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my coworkers. I want, I want to tell you who these guys are. First one, Mark. He wrote the book of Mark. Luke. He wrote the book of Luke and Acts. If you, in fact, if you go and you read the book of Acts in chapter 19, you're going to find the names Aristarchus and Demas. They've been with Paul for a while. In fact, they were with Paul while Paul was being threatened with stones and kicked out of places. All of these guys are heavy hitters in the faith of this day. And Paul just put Philemon on blast with all these guys, as the kids would say. He says, not only do I know all about this, but all the other guys who are preaching with me, all the other guys who are telling everybody about the love of Christ, all the other guys who could or could not use you as an example of what to or what not to do, we all know. Again, Philemon has no choice here. He has no choice. And that's literally how Paul ends. He says all that. He says, all these guys, they know too. They send their blessings. Have a great day. And that's the end of Philemon. So some of us are probably sitting here and saying, man, I don't know that Paul's a very nice person. I don't know that I want Paul writing me a letter. I don't know that I want to be involved with Paul whatsoever because he seems really good at getting his way. But there's a purpose to this book. And there's a purpose to us looking at this book. We went through it really, really quick, and you might notice it doesn't really seem like it has all that veneration. It doesn't really have all that, like, man, I'd... I come to this with, with high honor. There, there's not a really a whole lot of verses in here that you're like, oh man, I'm going to circle that one. I'm going to write that one down. I really want to memorize that one. It's not that kind of book. But it has a purpose. Why would it be in our scriptures if it didn't have a purpose? And if you have in your Bibles, maybe you have a study Bible or you have little, little excerpts before your book, it'll probably tell you this book is all about forgiveness. And it is. It, is, it very much is. That's what Paul is writing to Philemon for. I, I want you to show forgiveness here. But there's still so much more to it. See, the, the big thing the big thing we should take from this is what Paul is, is truly asking Philemon to do. Paul is asking him to be different than the culture you live in. As remember again, Philemon has all rights to throw Onesimus in jail. And nobody would question it. Because that's what Onesimus deserved. He has every right. What Paul is asking him to be is different. 
Paul is telling him, take all these things that we've been preaching, that you've been learning about, that you've been telling your neighbors about, and now I want you to live it. I want you to take it from just your rhetoric and make it your life. He's asking him now, what is important to you? Is your reputation with your neighbors important to you? So they see you as the true Roman, maybe? Is it important to you that maybe you lost a few dollars in this? Is it important to you that maybe you don't look so powerful now to the rest of the people working in your household? What's important to you? Is the grace of God important to you? He's asking him then, how should we react if you've been wronged? What should we say to those who are in sin? And after you've answered those things, would you want God to act in that way to you? You see, what Paul is really doing here is he is shifting a paradigm. As he is saying, the culture you live in does not dictate how you act. The grace of God does. And it is only by the grace of God that we even find ourselves in righteousness. So I I told you a little bit ago, maybe the story is starting to sound a little bit familiar to something else. The story of Philemon, Onesimus, and Paul is our story. You and I are Onesimus. At one point, we weren't very useful. Hopefully now, we're a little bit more useful. And Paul is actually playing the role of Jesus. And Philemon playing the role of God the Father, who, by the way, has every right to not accept us back. There is nothing that we have done. There is nothing that we can do by ourselves that will make us right with God. There is nothing Onesimus could have done to take back his crime. There's nothing that we can do on our own to take back our sin. But instead, we have one who intercedes. On our behalf. For Onesimus, he had Paul, who went in and used all of his amazing argument skills. He buttered up Philemon, and then he just kicked him right in the gut. But think of this we have Jesus on the right hand of God, telling God, You have to take him back. You have to. You have to because I'm asking you to. I, the one who went and died on the cross and covered all of those sins already with my own blood. I, the one who showed love to the entire world through these acts. You have to take them back. The story of Onesimus is our story. We have the perfect interceder 
And the fantastic thing is we have a loving God who says, you're right, I'm taking them back. It wasn't even a question. So Philemon is a little bit more than just forgiveness. It tells us we need to live our rhetoric. We need to live the things that we say are good, the things that the Bible tells us are good. And at the same time, it tells us why, too. Because God loves us. Jesus saved us. And we have been welcomed back. Let's pray together. Our Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for this example in Scripture. Lord, something so simple as forgiveness, Lord, and and given to us in such a way that reminds us of what you've done for us. Lord, I thank you for your sacrifice, and I thank you for your love that accepts us back. Lord, as we go from this, this church today, I ask you would bring this back to our minds. Help us to understand what is important. Help us to live out our rhetoric. Lord, we pray these things in your son's name. May we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All glory and honor to him both now and forever. Amen.